What leadership is, is having a vision. Sticking with the big picture. It's all about scale. Making bold decisions. Then we build the companies that actually transform the world. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Manager's Table podcast, where we talk about all things management, leadership, with focus on engineering managers. In this episode, we are joined by our guest, Paul, to talk with us about developer productivity. Paul, can you give us a brief introduction of who you are and what you do? Okay, I'm Paul Anakoye. I'm from Nigeria. I am an engineering manager at Netflix. Uh, My team focuses on developer productivity for studio UI applications. And what is studio UI applications? So studio UI applications are the web and mobile apps that we use on the studio side of the business, so our content side. So when you think about Netflix originals and you think about producing those originals, there are applications that are used in the movie industry to help us uh, be more efficient with how we do production of those originals, and that's where Studio UI uh, comes in. Right on. Jared, do you want to give a brief introduction of ourselves before we dive in? Yeah, Jared Jordan. I work on the content experience engineering side. What that means is uh, we bring meaning to the Netflix uh, product and our, our titles and make experiences that capture you and make you want to stop and watch a show. Awesome. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I lead our acquisition UI team, which is building the sign-up, which actually gets people into using Netflix. All right, let's start in. What is developer productivity and why is it even important? Okay, so when I hear developer in this context, I think about engineers overall. Yeah, yeah. So whether they're developers in the, in the classic sense of uh, the word or whether they're test engineers, to me, they're all engineers uh, building a product. And when I think of productivity for those engineers, I think about two things. Number one is ergonomics. So how easy or how difficult is it for you to complete routine tasks? And then the second thing I think about is efficiency. So efficiency, not only as a function of time it takes you to complete things, but also as a function of volume. So the amount you're able to complete. And most importantly, the type of work, how important the work is. So when you're efficient, you're able to do very important work, a lot of important work in a very short amount of time. I'm actually well summarized. I'm like, yeah, that's a good way to summarize it. Definitely. And then to the other part of the question of why is it important, I think it's important also for two reasons. So I think it helps you unleash the true creativity of your engineers. And then, so by that, I mean, there's less cognitive load on them to complete their work. So they have more time to be creative. So as an engineer building a product, you can really think about creative solutions and and have less cognitive load on everything else that you need to do to build a product. And then the second thing is, I think it's a team cultural advantage uh, uh, because if you're on a team where you're able to do a lot of fun work, uh, you can actually attract more talent that way and you're able to retain talent. Who wants to leave a team where they're very productive? right? And then who doesn't want to join a team where you you know that you're going to be able to unleash your your true potential there? Should you measure the developer productivity? Should you measure it? Uh, I think as engineers, we love to measure things. So I'll I'll say yes, we should measure it. But I'll say we shouldn't measure it for the wrong reasons. We should measure it for the right reasons. And, And for me, the right reasons are when you're building a product, 
at the end of the day, it comes down to execution. You might have a great idea, but if you cannot execute on it, then you're not going to have a product or you're not going to have a great product. So as a person managing a team or managing uh, a product, I want to know, I want to keep a pulse on execution. So as a result of that, I think I I definitely want to to measure developer productivity. And then the other thing is I want to be able to hold my team or my engineers accountable, right? And to do that, we need to have an agreement on what it means to execute well yeah. and what it means to actually be able to deliver, right? When I think going to the measurement side of things too is it's not really, I feel like that's a hard problem too is like, what do you measure? I can think of a, many different metrics and many things to look at, but it, it's not an easy thing. And that's also additional work, making sure you have the right metrics too in place. Correct. So for me, <laughs> when we talk about metrics, I've seen a lot of bad examples of, of trying to measure. Give us a few. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what people really want to hear out there is like, hey, I'm starting to build a team. Like, what are the things I shouldn't do yeah. as well as what are the things that I should do? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you a few really bad ones. So lines of code. Why? Definitely. Uh, why? Come on. That's an easy one. Come on. I, 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 I could tell, you know, I can copy paste a lot. I'm uh-huh. really fast at control A, control V. Uh, come on, man. Like- so, so you kind of just answered the question for me <laughs> saying that because the, the the bad examples are the examples where it's easy to game. Yeah. Right. right? You can write uh, an efficient function maybe in less lines of code. But if you tell a developer, hey, I'm going to measure you by the lines of code. Yeah. Trust me, the developers or engineers are going to game that system. They're engineers. They will find a way they, around yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're going to game it. Another bad example is number of bugs fixed. Right. So there are you can have very complex bugs. You can have simple bugs. If you tell an engineer, I'm going to assess you uh, by the number of bugs you are able to fix, uh, they will just fix a lot of simple bugs and they'll game that system. Right. So so those are bad examples. Generally, the bad examples, people can easily game them. Bugs found in production. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. I think my my f- favorite is the know. number of commits to in Git because Ooh. like you can literally be like I wrote a line of code yeah. commit Com- yeah, another yeah. line of code commit yeah. wow I'm I'm rock star yeah. yeah so all those are examples of where it's easy to game now for good what are the good ones so first thing to recognize is there's no one size fits all it really just depends on your team the situation the circumstance and what you're trying to accomplish. So, for example, if you're on a startup where your goal is to get to the next series of funding, maybe it's okay to build tech debt, right? So you want to focus on how quickly can you pump out your next feature to get user growth and so on, right? If you're on a well-established team where you're already public, you're a public company, you have all the, you have a great user base and it's about the quality of the new features that you're providing, then it's a different way. You have to think about how, how to measure developer productivity differently, right? So for me, when I think of what are the good ways to measure uh, developer productivity, I think there are quantitative measures and qualitative measures. Uh, for quantitative, I think one one that I've used in the past to great success is thinking about code velocity. So I'll give an example. At Netflix, we focus a lot on A-B tests, right? And A-B tests, you know, earlier I talked about efficiency around meaningful work and being able to do that, uh, a lot of that. So like at, at Netflix for us, meaningful work is the A-B tests that we run. 
So a quantitative measure here is around code velocities. How many A-B tests are we able to complete? Right? Uh, A-B tests are very, very impactful work. And if we're able to do a lot of them over a short period of time, then that's great code velocity for us. right? Uh, qu qu quantitative measure or qualitative measures, on the other hand, are things that are where you can get answers to by just asking your engineers. Hey, so you've been, like, if, imagine if you have a new engineer, uh, you've been at Netflix, how easy was it for you to ramp up and start checking in code and, and start doing your work, right? And they'll easily be able to tell you, right? Or, or hey, you have an issue in production, how easy was it for you to root cause that issue? Yeah. Were you able to get the logs you needed? Were you able to get the stack traces you needed to, to, to troubleshoot, right? So, so those are the ways, those are the kind of ways you can uh, measure developer productivity in a, in a very like, tangible and great way. So you would measure, so would you measure time to fix after, or time to resolve a production issue? Would you measure uh, like build times? Or release times? So, yes. So, there are some routine tasks that you can easily place the measurement on when it comes to quantitative measurements. So, and those routine tasks or repetitive tasks are, uh, tasks are things like build, uh, deployment, so just getting your code out. On the operation side, uh, a good metric is time to resolve. So, when you have an issue, how quickly are you able to detect and then, tr like, fix the issue, right? So, yes, those are, those are good good uh, metrics. Yeah, those sound like more tangible metrics mm -hmm. too. Like all that you just explained versus the ones that we started. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. And you could actually see over time things getting better or worse. Yeah, so that, that's a good way to look at it. Correct. One of the things that you did hit on also is um, uh, we, we focus on kind of broad initiatives for developers. How do you prioritize uh, local tasks? Meaning like I want to make, you know, build times or, or reduce like broad build times versus, hey, I want to move over to TypeScript or something like that. And, and this one team over here wants to do that. How do you kind of gauge and, and figure out which ones you should do without, you know, being very restrictive on, on how each developer team uh, I think uh, I've done it. I've kept it simple in my career. And, and by simple, I mean I listen for the the voice that is loudest in terms of <laughs> for the teams that that we support like w when you support multiple teams there will usually be a theme in in what um pain they're experiencing or or where they want to see progress and after some time you develop this muscle of okay I've you develop a muscle around identifying themes right so in the past, I've been on teams where it's about, oh, we need tools to aid us with, with writing tests, as an example, right? As I'm, as I'm writing my feature, I want a tool that can enable me to write my test and test my features all in one place without context switching, right? And that was a theme across the board, so, so we focused on that. I've been on, on, on teams in the past where, um, and this, this may sound ridiculous because the, it was, uh, I was supporting a large set of teams, like thousands of engineers, and the build used to take at least an hour, right? So can you imagine where thousands of engineers are waiting an hour just to complete a build? So in that case, it's also very obvious, right? So I think the, if done incorrectly, you might try to, to um, find the sexiest problem to solve, 
uh, or the the problem that sounds the most interesting. But it's usually the simple things that once you talk to a, a, a large set of people, it's very obvious what what their pains are, and then you can go after is those. It, is another way you would say is like I focus on what's most painful. Yes, that's a good metric. I like yeah. it. <laughs> so. Right now, Paul, like we're talking to you with like, and you actually have a dedicated team focused on unlocking developer productivity. Should there be a dedicated team like in companies? Should they have a team that's dedicated or shouldn't it be that this is really just responsibility of all engineers or all developers on a team? Okay, so I'll, I'll answer that one with uh, an analogy, right? So uh, it's summer, the bunch of sports uh, going on right now, and the one that I just finished is uh, the NBA Finals, right? So uh, on the NBA team, you have specialized roles. Right? Yep. You have a point guard, you have a center, you have a power forward, small forward, a shooting guard, right? Specialized roles. Now, if you have a great player, they can probably play all five positions, right? Right, But you still have specialized positions. And the reason for that is, again, it's all about unlocking your true potential, right? So if you have an engineer that is great at, say, building UIs, you want them to focus on that so they can do their best work, right? So they can focus on the work that they're great at. And then for the developer productivity team, their, their work is to enable that engineer to really unleash their potential, right? So they'll build tools to enable that UI engineer build the greatest UI possible, right? So uh, like going back to the sports analogy, if for, for the soccer fans out there, if you think of Lionel Messi with Barcelona and how successful he's been with Barcelona versus with Argentina, his national team, he's more successful with Barcelona because there are a lot of focused players or specialized players in different roles, right? So Lionel Messi can focus on being a striker and he can score more goals. They're great defenders. They're great midfielders to support him. In Argentina, Lionel Messi has to do everything. He has to defend. He has to play midfielder. And upon that, then he has to strike. And and he's not as successful on Argentina. Which I think that made a lot of sense too, is like if you have like one player who can do all the roles, is they can't like as, as essentially is like you can't have one player on the team facing off against five or six on the other team and so kind of to that analogy i think works really well is like even if someone can do the work doesn't mean it's best for them to do all the things and so having a focused team works really well exactly and then for the basketball fans it's like lebron with miami where he could focus <laughs> on yeah. just attacking and then they were good role players around helping him to be successful and then compare that with lebron in his first few years with the Cavs, where he had to be the the defender and also be the one scoring all the points and you can see the difference in 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 output as a result of that so essentially you do need a team or you need dedicated resources thinking about this correct correct and so what if there's a company that doesn't have this like in place maybe it's a smaller startup or maybe they're thinking about this now what kind of advice would you give to that company? Is like, all right, now you're starting to have a product developer team. How do they go about starting that? Okay, so if you if you already have a team, I think you can do more to empower that team to be more responsible with the success of the product versus just focusing on only on the engineers. I think that's how you can um, get your developer productivity team to to do more uh, for 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 the company. Now, if you don't have a team, 
what I would say is identify those engineers that are passionate about helping others succeed. And that's how you can form a developer productivity team. Because those engineers will definitely enable your other engineers to be successful and to be able to focus on what they're great at. Right. So that's how you can curate a new team if you don't already have one. Right on. That's actually really good. And so you have a team. How did you structure your team? How did you start beginning to think about it, uh, especially for those people that are starting to build these teams right now? So for me, for example, I actually have a new team recently. And what, what I've done is is a couple of things. So one is each engineer on the team has uh, is, is what I call an informed captain. So it's a, it's a term we use at Netflix to to designate responsibility to an individual so they can make critical decisions and they can do all the work to drive to drive a, a project or an area forward, right? So each engineer on my team is an informed captain for a specific area. And then the other thing I've done with my new team is um, we don't only think about enabling the engineers, we also think about how can we make the product successful. So what we're doing is we're embedding with the product teams to understand the scenarios, the user scenarios they're trying to, to execute on. And then through that, we're enabling engineers to be able to deliver on, on those scenarios. I like that too, is that you're actually building empathy for the teams that you're working with rather than being in this black box where you're like, hey, I just need to make people more productive. But how do you do that without really understanding and empathizing with the, the engineers who are building those product features? I think that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask if you embed the people in the team. Yes. Yes. So so uh, we do that. Um, and we've tried that a few times on, the, on my previous team at Netflix. We've tried that. And on my new team, we're also doing that where an embedding on the team means they actually sit with the team. They understand what the daily workflow of the engineer is. So they sit down with them. They know how they create their PRs and how long it takes for their PRs to get merged into, into, into the source code uh, management system and how long it takes for their, their features to go live in production, right? So they see what the daily workflow is like yeah. and they experience, they can ex actually experience whatever pains engineers have. That makes sense. Um, and yeah, so we've done that. Oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Paul, so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Where can people get in touch with you? LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the best. Uh, I'm not a big Twitter person, but if I get a DM on Twitter, I'll, I'll respond. Oh, that's pretty good. So right. LinkedIn, at uh, it's Onokoya Paul, O-N-A-K-O-Y-A-P-A-U-L, and Twitter, the same handle. Right on. Slide into his DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely give him some messages. He's looking yeah. for more messages. Exactly. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of the Manager's Table podcast. You can find us on our website at managerstable.com, and we're on Twitter at managers underscore table. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Thank you.